Jacob, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Drew. But wouldn't Moriarty disappear out of the holodeck? I think the only thing holographic is your brain. No, you fool, we're going to review an animated uh, movie on this here podcast. Brilliant! No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Why would anybody want to listen to geek, two geeks like us? Because, you fool, these people have uh, are so very easily entertained. Okay, Drew. Nerf! to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who just can't stop tapping his foot, Jacob. Well, I'm kind of like Thumper. I can't stop thumping. As long as you don't do it on the mic stand, I won't care. Oh, man, not again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'd like to introduce our co-host, a man to quote a another Disney classic. Kind of like the centaurs from one of our segments. Can you feel the love tonight? Oh, <laughs> welcome, Drew. <laughs> uh, for those of you trying to figure out what we're talking about, <laughs> later on in this episode, we will yes. be reviewing the Disney classic Fantasia. But first, Jacob, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Actually, very interesting note for our audience. Mm-hmm. So, before coming over here, I was running like an hour, hour and a half behind. <laughs> Right, which, which I do, I do apologize for. Mm-hmm. Uh, just life gets in the way, definitely when you're trying to work on stuff, and then this and this after working a ten. And hours. it doesn't help that you've got the attention span of a squirrel. Exactly. Let's go by. I'm quoting him. By yes. the way, <laughs> yes, he is. So he is most definitely quoting so me. Nobody get mad at me. All right. <laughs> yes, I, I do describe myself as a squirrel with my uh, attention deficit disorder we'll or to, hyper. <laughs> eventually, we'll have to get to that movie. Yes, one of them. <laughs> Wait, what movie are you talking about? Squirrel! Squirrel! Exactly. <laughs> All right. Oh. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting in my apartment getting ready. I've done my notes. I'm watching Disney+. Plus. I'm not watch, re-watching the movie, obviously, because that's a two-and-a-half-hour film. And so I'm sitting there getting ready to go, and I get a door, the, 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 door, the door alarm or what have you. The doorbell. doorbell. The doorbell rings. Yeah, my first thought is like, okay, maybe it's a police officer looking for something because that's happened before. Mm -hmm. No, it was Drew. (laughs) Drew came over and just checking on me because he was like, "Man, I don't be like, I'm just I I I be like, I know you're 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 behind, so I was just coming over to check on you." I'm a worry wart in some instances, especially when it comes to time. Yes, so forgive me for that. Yeah, please. Which, which is perfectly fine. Be like, it's. I forgive you. It's no problem. Believe me, I'm the exact same way. Be like, okay. my my dad. If you were if you were five minutes late, he would say he would very clearly say, be like, son, you had me so worried. Be like, I was afraid you were over. You know, you know, wrecked in a ditch, dead. Well, at least if you were dead, you'd no longer be suffering. Exactly. Now, if you were in pain, yeah, I would think that'd be worse. Yeah, true. But anyway, true. Either way, so my day has been gone great. The other day was not. Monday wasn't the greatest in the world because mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not gonna say I suffer from mild depression. Be like I have mild depression, and so some days it's be like I'm great. I'm great as rain because I, I use a lot of essential oils to mm-hmm. help with that. And some days I forget to wear them or get to apply them. 
and shame so, on you. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I definitely felt the effects of not wearing my my uh, or applying my oils in the morning to to liven up my mood a mm-hmm. little bit. So so yeah, today was great. Apply my oils. By the way, if you're interested in as young living essential oils, hook uh, hook me up. Call you know, get in touch with me on my personal Facebook, and uh, we can talk about it. It really works. Me like I, I deal with eighty nah uh, uh, Tourette's disorder, and I use an oil for that. And also with mild depression, I use oils for that, and it really works. So let me know. Okay. Either way, you know, kind of a shameless plug there. Mm-hmm. Either way, how's your day been? I've been gluing all day. I thought you said glue, glowing. No, gluing. <laughs> okay. I have all day long. I've been having to do glue some stuff at work. Yeah. So every once in a while, if I'm like rubbing my hands, all of a sudden I'll start peeling something off my skin here. Oh like, yeah, I like love peeling that peeling skin, but it's not. So oh yeah, that's that's if you fun. Start, if, if those in the live feed, if you see me start kind of uh, clawing at something, that's all that is. Uh, he's but that's, he's part reptile. <laughs> I've been doing that. I, I've been. I did that today. I did that yesterday. Okay. I did that Saturday, and I did some of it Friday. Ah. I'm almost finished, which means it's probably means there's another batch coming. Probably. But probably. All of that aside, I've had a pretty some pretty good days. So that's good. Yeah. So, what have you been watching? Oh, what have I been watching? Well, we uh, the both of us watched reboot with yes. a friend of ours. And uh, Watched like the first four episodes. Yes, four full four episodes. I forgot how much I liked that show. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, there was, it's like definitely it, it definitely shows its age, for a show for a show made in the early nineties mm-hmm. with full with full CG. Um, I have to give it credit for there. Yeah. Uh, it's strange in many ways. The visuals of the show are dated. Yes, they are, and yet. Also, they kind of hit that timeless mark to where they don't look dated, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Somewhat. Makes somewhat sense. Um, I'm kind of mixed because it's the first full episode, four, four episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. We hadn't really gotten into a no. overarching story, but... No, we, we haven't. We had just some fun watching the show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was a fun viewing, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, other than that, it was good. All right. Uh, that about all you watched? Yeah. Besides this, mm-hmm. nope. How about yourself? I've been watching Let's Plays on YouTube the last couple of days. For, mostly oh. when I'm working on something, I can right. put that on in the background and look up every once in a while, and then go back to whatever I'm doing and look up and back to whatever I'm doing. When I'm at home, obviously, I'm not doing any of that at work. Okay. But <laughs> uh, that's mostly what I'm watching. I'm mostly watching uh, Let's Plays of persona 5 royal which is ironic because i'm okay. also playing that game some from time to time but uh i'm watching uh chronos plays of that so mm. that's pretty much all i've really had a chance to other than i uh immediately i i forgot that the last season of marvel's agents of shield had started up yeah i noticed that so uh i have been trying to get caught up on that i've watched two of the three released episodes so I should be caught up on that pretty soon. But okay. other than that, okay, that's what I've been watching. All righty then. So what we got in the news? We got in the news. All right. So the first bit of news, obviously, most of my news 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 
comes from anima, uh, animationmagazine.com. So if you want to go and verify this, well, I don't know if your sources are reliable. Go check them out. All right. So the first bit of news is actually a trailer drop, a trailer dropped and a Q&A for a certain Netflix original-esque movie is coming out. Okay. All right. I let's should know this. Maybe. It sounds familiar. What is the name of this movie? I will give you that in a second. You didn't put it in your notes. No, I did. Oh, you just weren't on your notes. No, I'm, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the description, and then I'll give you the title. <laughs> All okay. Right. All right. A circus. A circus mystery takes some trans- a circus mystery. A circus mystery. Okay. Takes some transformable, often furry, twisted turns into. Can you guess the title? Circus mystery. It's based off a very, very old, very timeless uh, children's snack. Snack? Snack. By those clues. As in animal crackers? He's got it. (laughs) They are making an animal crackers movie. I've heard of worse, ironically. (laughs) I mean, they are still working on a Tetris movie for some reason. Yes. So apparently, uh, a CG animated feature which will debut in 190 countries through Netflix on July 24th. And apparently, the synopsis was the uh, one of the writers or directors had been playing with his children with animal crackers and said, "What if it? What what do you think if you ate an animal cracker of a lion and you turned it into a lion? What kind of adventure would that be?" And so this is what the entire synopsis movie is based off. I need to see a trailer before I understand what's actually going on. Yeah, Appar- apparently. But I mean, the Lego Movie worked. Yeah. So I guess. I guess. Yeah. Well, it's coming to Netflix, so in July. So if you are interested, be, like maybe even faintly curious about this film, you know, go check it out. All right. All right. So second bit of news is something Studio Ghibli. Ooh. Yeah. So, Studio Ghibli and G Kids are distributed dist- with distributor Shop Factory, which will issue the Wind Rise on digital on di- uh, digital download and on demand. The Wind Rises. The Wind Rises. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I knew I said it wrong. The Wind Rises on digital download and on demand on September first, and on Blu-ray and DVD combo pack as a standalone DVD pack on September twenty-second. Awesome. Yep. So the it'll be a while till I see it, but right. The 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 the, the, the Blu-ray release. I don't know. I might see it at the end of the uh, year. Yeah. Not um, the show. No, of course. But um, release includes a in, ex, exclusive booklet featuring full-length storyboards and a ten-year and a ten-year with Hayao Miyazaki documented episode. Okay. Which goes behind the scenes in the production of the film. The Wind Rises is available for pre-order now on ShopFactory.com. And probably anywhere else you can buy Shout Factory releases. Pretty much. Such as Amazon. Yeah. So that is all I've found in the news. I'd be like, I know you brought something up earlier. Well, there was an interesting thing that happened. Yeah. Apparently either today or earlier this week. I didn't catch exactly when. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it till today. Yeah. So, this is Pride Week, technically. Yes. 
Oh, not Pride Week. I mean, this is Pride Month. Month, yes. It started a little bit late for some interesting reasons. Uh, right. Something about Corona. And and those riots. Riots and protests, yes. Uh, apparently, Nickelodeon, uh, in mm. order, as one of their you know support Pride Month posts. Yes. Mentioned that SpongeBob SquarePants was technically LGBTQ+. Okay. And I, of course, I had to look up. I, I don't follow this pride stuff. Yeah, me either. I don't. It, anyway, I don't follow it. But uh, apparently in the plus section, because apparently they got tired of adding onto the alphabet soup of their organization title, apparently includes stuff like asexual. And that's what SpongeBob was is officially, you know, he's officially asexual. Okay. Do you know why he's officially asexual? Because he's a sponge. Yes. <laughs> And those animals are asexual. Yeah. Which means, what's the news here? Why is everybody going crazy? He's been asexual. Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, said he was asexual in the mid-2000s. This is not news. No, it's not. But the fact that people are going crazy about it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, officially, everyone who's saying, oh, Sp- they said SpongeBob's gay. No, nope, they didn't say SpongeBob's gay. They said he was asexual, like the sponge he actually is. Designed after, yes. Right. Yeah. And here's the other thing, people. It's a cartoon for kids. Yes. Probably this stuff's not coming up in the show. Probably not. Anyway. Yeah, either way. That's, that's very I don't know. I haven't watched SpongeBob since, uh, since uh, season five. Okay. So I don't know what they're doing in the show now. Mm. Yeah, I'll, because I I can't imagine there's Plankton still going after that Krabby Patty formula. Who knows? Well, obviously there's a movie coming out, and uh, I know which there was, ironically I'll probably go see. But. Yeah, yeah, there was some news, but I didn't click on it. But it's be like they're showing exclusive clips and uh, you know something, you know, like behind the scenes information regarding the film. So it should be coming out probably this year or next year. Okay. So, other than that, that's all the news I've got. All right. So, I guess we should move into the spoiler-free section of our review of Fantasia. Yes. Which, saying spoiler-free for this movie feels odd. Yeah. Because there's really nothing to spoil. No, Uh, there's not. So, I guess we'll just talk about, uh, you know, how we... Any memories we have of this movie, right quick. Right. So... I did not see this movie in its entirety till about five, four or five years ago. Yeah. Prior to that, I had seen clips, mostly of Bald Mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, of and, course, it's probably one of the best films. Right, and Scenes. of course, a clips of Sorcerer's Apprentice, but never the whole thing. Yeah. But ironically, there was a, a, some scenes from this that I saw quite a lot of when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that was the uh, scene from the Pastoral Symphony with uh, the the Blue Centaur and Blue Centaurette yeah. couple. Because that was in the DTV Love special, Valentine's Day special, that I had on a bootlegged VHS when I was a kid and apparently wore out. Okay. So I was sitting there going, wait a minute, this all of a sudden starts looking familiar. Really familiar. <laughs> like etched in my memory familiar. Right. Oh, yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> wow. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm now hearing Steve, uh, I think it's Stevie Wonder, 
going doing the as, who, who sings uh, "Don't Go Breaking My Heart." Uh, that song that was playing because yeah. immediately I'm sitting there, I'm hearing Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony, but in the back of my mind, I'm going, "Ooh, nobody knows it, nobody knows," because that's really what the vi- song I'm used to associating right. with these visuals is. Well, I'm I'm not my I'm not my brother Jim, who is basically he's being called J um uh, J Pod because he can just literally give him a a uh, a song and be like oh he just pops up with it and says be like oh it's from here and here it's like okay yeah. okay Stephen Strange it happens it does he, he, so, he's very good at that let's say that so that is pretty much my experience of Fantasia prior to uh, this viewing. Okay. I have never watched its sequel, Fantasia 2000, outside of you know the commercials that were for on it. Yeah. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. Okay. My experience of the film comes down because I remember watching it as a child, mm-hmm. and my baby brother Daniel, who absolutely loved it because he's a, a music, he loves music. Daniel absolutely loves music. Right. And he's he's one of those guys that could literally hear something or pick up a pick up an instrument, what have you, and within probably 20 minutes, you know, have a general understanding of it and play it fairly well. I've known several people like that. And mm-hmm. so Daniel, at a very young age, loved Fantasia because it was all music. Yeah. For me, I got bored with it very quickly. I, I remember um, I remember certain sequence. My memory of this film, because uh, we watched it as a young child. Mm-hmm. We, we watched it as young kids. Because my parents, my mom was always buying uh, Disney. You, you know, back in the day, there was such thing as a VHS. Yes. You know, before DVD. I'm aware of these VHSs. I know, but there's some people who don't. I've, I've literally those people are young kids. Yes, they are, and hopefully, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yes. Um, Just saying, you're younger than us old folks. Yeah. That's weird when someone says old folks. <laughs> Hey, we're not old enough to actually remember the VHS Betamax War, but we remember no. everyone talking about it. Yes. Anyway. All right. So my mom picked it up. My mom loved it because my mom loves musicals. Mm-hmm. Daniel loved it. My, my baby brother loved it. You know, this, the guy who could literally pick up any instrument and hear a note and start playing it within probably like 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just phenomenal. I've known several people like that. And uh, me, I literally got bored with it. You know, being the visual guy, you think I'd be I'd be glued to it. Well, I mean, if you're starting from the beginning, yeah, I can see how some of those would might bore you. Yeah, exactly. And be like, and not fully understanding art. Be like, I was yeah. a little kid, little kid with this movie when we got we bought it on VHS. Now, I've seen where I think it was my sister in law a couple of years ago. Amanda was looking for it for I think it was her her theater class or her mm-hmm. art class she was doing. And uh, and so she had to go find like a, a Blu-ray or something like that. And it was like, oh, do you have it? It's like, no, I don't have Fantasia. And so uh, watching it for the review is the first time I watched the entire thing, mm-hmm. the entire thing. And uh, I remember cer- I remember certain segments. I remember the, uh, the centaur segment, yes. obviously. Um, uh, Bob, Bob, what is it? Bob Mountain, Bald, Bald Mountain? Mountain, Bald Mountain, not Bob Mountain, mm-hmm. Bald Mountain. Uh, I remember those scenes very well. Some of the others I don't remember as clearly, but they're like overall, I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the segments. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do have my you know nitpicks, 
here and there, but we'll get well, to, we'll get yeah. into those when we you know go into our spoiler our spoil spoiler spoiler portion. Yes, the full review. Yes, and I think we're going to do this one just a little different than we yeah, have because we are, it's segments. We are doing this a little bit different. Uh, while you were talking, though, I remembered one other little aspect of this movie mm-hmm. that I technically uh, was uh, was. It's not the movie itself, but it's connected. And it's a little game, a little video game I've brought up a couple times on this show. Just a few times. Just, just a few times. Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Of course. <laughs> uh, in Kingdom Hearts, the last level of the game, you're in end of what, what's called End of the World. Yes. Which is the Heartless World. Or mm-hmm. the, supposedly where the Heartless are all coming yeah. from. The mid-level boss of this was Chernabog from Bald Mountain. Of course. Playing, of course... Night on Bald Mountain. Mm-hmm. When I was watching this, I remembered, of course, that boss fight because because that was the first time I'd ever run into anything really Fantasia related that mm-hmm. I thought was cool. <laughs> if we're being honest, yeah. But um, I got I just when after it went off this on this last viewing, I thought, where on earth did they come up with a name like Chernabog? Because you look at some of the other names that technically apply to characters in uh, Fantasia, which are not in, ever stated in the movie. They're all, you know, on the Disney art books and such. Because yeah. they had to name all these characters. Yeah. For, just so they could keep track of who's animating what. Because mm-hmm. it'd be very confusing to say, I'm animating Cherub number four and you're animating Cherub number six. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure some of those had to have been like that. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I got to looking it up. Well, of course, Chern- the name Chernabog for the demon was from the original folklore that the song is based on. Yeah. Chernabog is known, apparently, for being a stealer of hearts. Really? Really? I remember you telling me that. Yes. Really? And so I'm going, no, that can't be it. I happened to, and as I got to, was thinking about it, I uh, realized, you know, Many of the heartless, the way they move, is very similar to the way the demons move in uh, Night on Bald Mountain. Holy crow! <laughs> that they put more work into. The, I, I'm realizing now how much they put into this game 20 years ago. That they did. So yeah, that's just a weird, cool little thing. I I know that that is that is so cool. That is yeah. that is really cool. They they put. That's so much research that kind of and detail depth. into it. Yeah, especially when they introduce the character, uh, the Heartless. You have no idea it's connected to Fantasia. No, it's just uh. oh, these are just the random things that are going to attack me on every world. Yeah, Heartless, Heartless. <laughs> okay, I can work with that. Kind of works with the idea of anyway. All right, so, so uh, I I did want to bring up because we did have quite a yes. few in the chat. I've got some too. All right, so or not uh, in chat. I've got one, some one of our listeners who is. Um, Josh Adams. Hi, Josh. All right. Ask uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like the Nicolas Cage movie, I I know Fantasia came first. Well, yes, that's where most of us know uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice from. It's a much old. It's a much older tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice goes back oh, probably thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. All right. Oh, the 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 second one he posted was like this kind of burned me just a little bit. <laughs> And he, he's doing, and me, I, Josh is my cousin, so totally understand why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. What the heck is a VHS tape? <laughs> Seriously, Josh? 
It is the video home system created by uh, JVC, which is the Victor Company of Japan. And uh, they did it because they hated Sony. <laughs> and they didn't want to pay Sony's licensing fees for Betamax. Yes. <laughs> also, they created an easier system that was easier to implement and not the convoluted thing that Betamax was. Now you know the rest of the story. If you're ever curious about the format war, go check out the Technology Connections video on it, because I thought he explained it very nicely. Okay. There we go. Perfectly. I am a nerd. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so uh, Josh did point out 100 points. If you can name the demon creature from Night of Bald Mountain. I already did it. We talked about it. Chernobyl. And, yeah. And, you know. AKA Satan. Yeah. So Drew now has 100 points. Now, Towards what, the, what? I exactly. don't know, because what? I wasn't playing your game that you quit talking about. <laughs> so, be like, if you, if you can, be like, yeah. So, what do the 100 points go towards? Who knows? Josh? Who knows? Either way. Either way. So, Cool yeah, points, probably. Yeah, cool points. Either way. Uh, we, we did have a very, very interesting, we had a very interesting post. Uh, yes, on uh, Facebook. Yes. On our pa- Facebook page. Yes. And, and uh, first, he and the the post was him complimenting us. Yes, uh, this is my friend Joseph Hamrick, out of uh, well, I won't say where he's at. Yeah, uh, but he put he 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 put a post up that says how it feels agreeing with Jacob and Drew at times, and the picture he posts under that has a picture of a chair with feet and arms between two other people drinking. One's drinking wine, and, and they're obviously talking to one another and having a conversation. And you can't interject. It's like, yeah, pretty much, which would be us in a nutshell. Pretty much. I mean, let's face it. There's a reason one of our friends is known for talking, because that's the only way you can get in between us, <laughs> is to talk more than we do. Yeah, that is true. Uh, that is so but true. Also, on that, he commented, uh, also, I got to see Fantasia at the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. What a that- wonderful experience. That Which, is awesome. That would be cool to see. That would be I very cool. Admit. That would be very cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's very interesting because I've, I've had the exact same conversation with my brother and his wife. They were like, they'd be listening to us and be like, no, this is what it means, you idiots. <laughs> we don't care what you say it means. We care what we got out of it. Yeah, exactly. But be like, it's, it's, always, great to, all, it's always great to hear feedback from yes. our audience. Our experiences are based off of our personal biases and uh Perspective, <laughs> perspectives. Yes, there our we go. Perspectives and biases and prejudices and everything else that makes up our how yeah. we perceive the world. Yes, perception was the word I was actually looking ah, for. Gotcha. So yeah, our perceptions are different than yours. So mm. <laughs> yes, Sorry, I did that wrong. <laughs> exactly. But uh, kind of going to that point, we we do be like when someone does give us an opinion about something, we're going to say it's like, okay, we respect your opinion. We respect your opinion on yes. that. Uh, we may I disagree respect, with it. I, I respect your opinion, but choose to live with my own. Yeah. If to completely destroy a saying from Mythbusters. Yeah, Adam Savage. <laughs> yes. But anyway. Yes. So, um, yeah. So I guess that brings us to the end of this little section. Uh, we'll move into our quote-unquote spoiler-filled section right after this. Stay tuned. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Fantasia. Listener discretion would be advised if it weren't for the fact that the Master of Ceremonies spoils each segment before they show. And enjoy. So uh, we're doing this one a little bit differently than our normal review. We're going to tackle each segment separately. 
Mm-hmm. So before we jump into going into each individual segment, I wanted to talk about uh, the overall stuff. So for, uh, the cast, I am starting with the cast here. Okay. That is in the entire throughout that is present throughout the entire uh, performance. You got Deems Taylor doing the narrative introductions. Mm-hmm. He is he was a musical commentator and he actually helped select the music for Fantasia. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, in the general release version, which is the version we watched, mm-hmm. uh, his comments have been edited down severely from the original version. Huh. Apparently, he talked a lot more. Mm. That, uh, that would be very fascinating as you see the, the original cut of yes. this. The like original original. Unfortunately, the uh, original soundtrack, to my understanding, has been lost. Yeah, that's what the I, original that's, version. That, that's what I've understood about it. Which is sad, yeah. actually. Uh Leopold Stokowski, I hope I said that name correctly, uh, was the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra, and he's the one that we see conducting throughout the entire film. Hmm. Uh, and, of course, the Philadelphia Orchestra appears as themselves. I thought so. Pretty much. Yeah. But they didn't seem like, you know, trained thespians. They just Especially <laughs> the one that knocked over the uh, oh, pipes. Yes. I th- I was, for, at first I thought, okay, that's got to be intentional. I was like, no... That it was, doesn't look intentional. It doesn't look intentional. And yet, it's like, why did you leave it in? Yeah. Realism, baby. Now, like we said earlier, the uh, the original release of this mm-hmm. was a what they called a road show thing. Essentially, they would go to, like a, it'd be like a, uh, a theater, like a theatrical uh, touring. Yes. Where, but at each, each uh, location, they would set up essentially... Oh, they wanted to use what they called what Disney called Fanta sound. Yes, which of course comes from the name of the movie Fantasia. Do you want the Fanta? Well, that's what it's based on. The um, the portion with the video, of course, would have the optical soundtrack, like all films from this era do, and well, all film films, all all movies produced on film. Mm-hmm. But that was mostly for backup purposes. The they would also bring in a second film projector slash reader that was designed solely for producing a very interesting way of doing surround sound because mm-hmm. they wanted it to sound like you were actually a symphony orchestra was actually in front of you. So they actually, so it would actually have four different soundtrack, uh, one for the left, one for the right and one for the center. Mm-hmm. And then a, then a point Fourth one was the one on the other video. This, that was the standard audio track for backup purposes only was the only reason it was there. Uh, and essentially produced a surround sound-like experience for uh-huh. the time. Uh, when they did the general release, though, they just did the standard audio uh, mono thing that was available at the time. Oh, okay. Which is kind of disappointing. But yeah. that's how most people ended up actually experiencing it. And for that version is when they edited it down for... Because you know, he does go on... For a bit. Ramble a little bit. Even in this version. He does. So, there's that. Uh, want to go ahead and go into our first the first segment of this? Or did you have anything overall you wanted to say you liked or disliked? Um, It was very... Let me get my words right. The overall spectacle of this film is mm-hmm. fantastic. I agree. It's almost fantastic. Well, you just said fantastic twice. Yeah, I did. Either way. Okay. <laughs> Either way. Uh, 
I highly enjoyed it. There's, you know, there again, we'll get into the the nitpicks about yes. later on, but I, yeah, it's it's a great film. Mm-hmm. The only real thing I did not like overall, yeah, about the film was, in fact, if this is even, uh, I don't know if I understand the idea that this was they were wanting to create recreate a symphony exper- experience, yeah, in the movie theater. Right. I understand that. I don't think we really needed the explanation in front of every single segment about what the vi- what what the the what was what we were going to see. Maybe explaining some of the music, why this was chosen, some of the history behind it, that was fine. Yeah. But in some cases he's going through and saying here is point for point what you're going to see in the animation. Yeah. It's like let me experience the animation without yeah. being told what's going to happen. Yeah. But that's that's me. Um, that's the only thing I really disliked in, in overall. Okay. Uh, if, I, if I was going to give a disagree, uh, a disagreement or dislike about the film, the would probably be that this movie has been edited and hacked to death mm-hmm. over the last nearly 100 years. Yeah. And it's it's a shame because I understand that people want to be, you know, politically sensitive well, or something like that. I under, I get that. I understand it. Uh, but when it comes to like art, I think an artist should yeah. stand be like, "This well, is I'll, what I made. Let's deal with it." I will get more into that when we get to yeah. the uh, sh- the the segment in question. Yes. But yeah, I I agree. It's like I would have wished. Here's the thing: when it comes to movies, yeah. I understand wanting maybe alternate cuts that maybe either make it work better, maybe take some stuff out that maybe is not good anymore. Right. Socially. Make, making it to where, you know, someone who doesn't like hearing cuss words can actually still enjoy your movie in yeah. some instances. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy with those versions existing. Yes. And being available, even being easier to get than perhaps the unedited version. Mm-hmm. But I still want the unedited version. Yeah. I want to see what was changed. Yeah. Because there is a chance I might like the original version better. And plus, a part of me still thinks you want the original version going forward. Anything, if you even accidentally lose something that maybe even wasn't socially acceptable. Right. You are losing history. Yeah, agree. Especially with this particular film. Yeah. But we'll get to that more in depth here in a minute. Agreed. All right, so on IMDb, it has a score of 7.8 out of 10. That's really good, actually. Mm -hmm. All right, so on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 94 score and a audience score of 83. On Metacritic, it has a 96%. So overall, very good. Okay. All right, it was obviously production was by Walt Disney Productions. It was distributed by Walt Disney Productions and RKO Studios. Originally. Mostly RKO. Mostly RKO. this was before Disney started doing their own distribution. Yeah. And do you remember what RKO stands for? Radio Knockout. I don't remember the KO. Knockout. I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. It was distributed by Walt Disney Productions in association with RKO radio radio uh, radio pictures. Well, RK yeah, and RKO is Radio Key Thorfium is what that stands yes, for. In case anyone's curious, yes. 
All right. All right. So it was released. Oddly enough, be like you have to go back and like look at the history of it. Of its original run, its original run, and Drew had mentioned this a few minutes ago that its original run, its original the its original run, which was they were doing something completely different. This was kind of like a tour. it was a tour, pretty mm-hmm. much. It was a tour with a different sound, a different a different sound. What was it called again? A fantasound. Fantasound. And has nothing to do with the soft drink. No, it's not orange. Or purple. Or purple. Or green. Why did I go color when obviously orange could have been fruit? Yes. Because it's not. It's grape. It's cherry and yeah, all this other stuff. All right. So it was originally released on November 13th, 1940. Mm-hmm. A very long time ago for most. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this I, is the oldest thing so far we've reviewed. That is true. All right. And then its theatrical release was July 1st. 1941. Mm-hmm. All right. So its box office numbers are kind of hit and miss a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's having to look down and be like, I literally had to copy paste a section of our article to get the full gist of what the uh, actual numbers were. Mm-hmm. All right. With the budget, I, I found an IMDB mm-hmm. uh, stated that it had a budget of $2.2 million Kay. estimated. It's still a lot of money for that yeah, time period. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. Definitely in the 1940s. Um, its opening U.S. release was... It's opening... What it earned, it's opening opening weekend, was 980, $980,798. That doesn't sound too good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, it's the 1940s. It's True. 1940. And this is the is this the this is these box office numbers from the 1941 uh, wide release or f- in, does that include the uh, that's the road this, show? This is the wide release. Okay, this so is they had already made probably made a bunch of money from the road show part already. So. Right, I'll, I'll get into that in a moment. Okay, uh, the fact that like this was during World War II, this is World War II yeah. in Europe. Europe was already being run over by Nazi Nazi Germany mm-hmm. or the Third Reich. And uh, so they really couldn't go and tour this thing over the world. Right. It could only be really toured in the U.S. All right. So its gross U.S. domestic was $76.4 million. million. Not bad. No. And um, world rele- worldwide gross was $76.411 million. It was a little okay. different. All right. So... To get into more detail, because like you said, this was originally a roadshow. Mm-hmm. Originally a roadshow, and then it became a theatrical. All right, so Fantasia grossed over $300,000 in the first in the first 16 weeks in New York, over $20,000 in its opening five weeks in San Francisco, almost the same amount for the first 10 weeks, both in Los Angeles and Boston. The first eight roadshows earned a total of $1.3 million nice. by April 1941. But the 85000 in production and installment of the cost of a single Fantasound setup, along, along with theaters having to release, forced Disney to extend their, extend their loan limits. Right. So 
they lost a ton of money when it came to the came, came to the initial roadshow. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, they made a lot, but they lost it. Yeah, pretty much. So that's pretty much it because it's it's like going in actually having to do the research. It was like mm-hmm. I can see I'm, why this took you longer than normal. Exactly, because it doesn't sound like any of this information is in the standard way of finding. No, it. it's not. All right. So that is information. And slash production and slash something something. We'll, we'll we'll eventually get around to a we'll we'll f- concrete the name eventually. Exactly. So getting into each of the individual segments here, the first segment is Toccata and Fugue in D minor, which was mm-hmm. directed by Samuel Armstrong, mm-hmm. and the original song was was uh, written by Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, the summary for this is that live action shots of the orchestra orchestra illuminated in blue and gold, backed by superimposed shadows fade into abstract patterns animated lines shapes and cloud formations reflect the sound and rhythms of the music Mm -hmm. this is by far the most abstract one in the entire show agreed and it's first and i think they put it first because they wanted to get it out of the way agreed in many ways but i mean it also kind of explains you know it it, kind of works it does in my mind uh because Having been in a symphony orchestra, gone to see a symphony orchestra, to some degree, I can see there, yeah, sitting there, I can kind of visualize what they're what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's like this is probably gonna, this is definitely the most boring section, mm-hmm. I would say, of this one. And that would, I guess, would be, well, let me back up and put this in the normal formula because we're doing one like and one dislike on each of these. Yeah. Uh, so my like for this actually is uh, how well each of the ab- uh, the movements of color yeah. and all this stuff is timed with the music. Yes, uh, it's done well. It's it is beautiful in a modern art sort of way, mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part, it's only okay. Yeah. What are your what's your first what's your like on this? My like would be more the the idea that uh, it reflects the sound and color the, mm-hmm. the the idea of sound and color. I thought that was a brilliant idea. The uh, like how the way they use the lighting, the way they yes. use color to express the music, and uh, I thought that was very it was a very bold choice. Definitely how you're going to start mm-hmm. your film. Um, that, that's also the most, I would say, musical of the segments. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Because in almost all the other ones, the visuals start taking, because there is just a little bit of like, oh, yeah, this is go- this is doing this because this is doing this and back mm-hmm. and forth. Yeah. Uh, like I said, when we get to that other one, I have an entirely different song that plays in my head when I see those visuals. But, yeah, I mean... I, that's my biggest dislike on this. Go ahead and go into that. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of abstract art. Understood. This is very much what they were going for. Was yes. Abstraction. Uh, sh- trying to show to visually show something you hear auditorially. Mm-hmm. Trying to capture visually the emotion of the music. Yeah. Which the song itself, as much as I like the song itself not really trying to tell any kind of give you any sort of feeling of a plot or movement towards the thing. It's just he, like the guy, like a, the MC says, 
the title is just what the is just a description of the music. Yeah, it's not trying to provoke an image of something, and so it matches that. It's just of it's art for art's sake in some ways. Yes, I agree and with you. I am not mm. a fan of that concept. Mm. So I guess I just don't like it because that's not my style of art, which I don't really know if that's a good, if that's a, if I can really call that a bad thing. Yeah. But I don't like it. So. Okay. <clears throat> okay. What's your dislike? My dislike um, would definitely that it's not engaging. It's not, it's not really engaging the, the fact that, be like I, I enjoy it visually, but it's not really it doesn't really pull me in. It doesn't yeah. really pull me in the and it's just it's lights and color and just sound. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And um I enjoy I enjoy aspects of it, but there's just the be like I, I don't feel I'm getting any kind of really enjoyment out of it. Right. And so it's just it's I guess as a child when I first watched this, it didn't be like it didn't it didn't appeal to me then. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't appeal to me now. Yeah. So. And I would say to most people, if you found Fantasia boring when you first watched it, mm-hmm. I would say actually start in the second segment. I would agree with you on that. Fast forward through this first segment, because this first segment is, it's just not, it's, don't get me wrong. It's animated well, and the music is performed well. Yes. I have nothing really against it other than, it's it doesn't feel like it feels like there's form but no function right it feels like there's no meat yeah and that's really what i don't like it's just flow that's all it is yeah Yeah. so moving into our second segment the second segment is the nutcracker suite Mm -hmm. which was also directed by samuel armstrong it of course is uh the, the nutcracker suite the song was originally written by is it peter P-Y-O-T-R. That's Peter, essentially, but in, yeah. in Russian. Yeah, Peter. Peter Ilich Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should just say last names, because I usually can do those. Um, this is a selection from the ballet suite, under, which underscores scenes depicting the changing of the seasons from summer to autumn mm-hmm. to winter. A variety of dances are presented with fairies, fish, flowers, mushrooms, and leaves, including Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, Chinese dance, Arabian dance, Russian dance, dance of the flutes, and waltz of the flowers. I like the variety on yeah. on on, uh, on display on this one because it is really seven or eight different songs right. that are included together. Um, so I, I enjoy the variety. Yes, it doesn't have a single. It has a very abstract sort of storytelling, mm-hmm. but there is storytelling in yes. that, in the music and in the in the visuals, moving you from, uh, you know, like I said, the spring to winter. Yeah, it skips summer completely for whatever reason. That but, it does. You know, I'm gonna claim the uh, mushrooms were okay. <laughs> I'm just guessing. Summer of love, baby. Yeah. Uh, when I first watched it, I was. A little concerned with how they how the the mushroom dance was until I realized that the song is literally called the Chinese dance. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh okay, that makes sense. I, I want to. I don't know if you can really call that in bad taste now. Yeah, <laughs> because the name of the song is kind of in that sort of vein. But yeah, I mean throughout the whole thing, every, every single visual in this is beautiful, and I love it. it. Is. And like I said, I love the variety. Uh, and 
all the anim some some of the animation in this segment uh, specifically, I'm amazed that this was actually all hand drawn in the yeah. 1940s. Yeah, which I do not associate with this quality animation in right. my mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, the closest I think I can get to this one might be Pinocchio. Yeah, because they had just they had just done Pinocchio. Yeah. And which is the only way I can explain why the underwater scenes look as good as they do is because they had just got done practicing that over and over again. Yeah. Getting, I still want to know how they did the uh, the underwater effect. Oh yeah, because that literally does look like they are. If it was live action, I would think they were shooting through like a water, a water between water flowing between two panes of glass. It's kind of what it looks like, but that can't be what they did with cell animation. Yeah. So yeah, that's I find that interesting. So mm. there there were a lot of there were a lot of scenes definitely throughout a lot of the segments that were just so breathtaking. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely in um, this particular segment, were just like beautifully captivating. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, uh, where can I buy? You know, be like one. Do I have you know eight thousand dollars and where can I buy this cell? <laughs> like, like, oh gosh, like it's so breathtaking. Yeah. So breathtaking. Uh, I remember this scene so well as a child because this scene captivated me, captivated me as a child. Mm -hmm. With, because uh, the little fairies that went around, I, I was thinking like little fireflies or something because yeah. they glow and they were, they, well, they're fairies, obviously, because mm -hmm. they're, you know, changing the seasons and all that. Yeah. And uh, I remember that because I was a, a very young boy, and I was like, "Oh, you got my attention now." <laughs> the fairies got your attention. Apparently, <laughs> I, 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 I know this sounds odd. This sounds odd, but I was a little kid. It's fine. It's fine. But um, already attracted to cute girls. I'll let it go. That's the only explanation I can come up with. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so just the visually stunning visually stunning segment um uh, like like you said earlier the fact that it's so it represents so many things around the world and uh culturals mm -hmm. and uh music and the animation like you said thoroughly enjoyable it has so many it's it's diverse be like the animation in it is phenomenal like you said earlier mm -hmm. the how they did the the rain effects how they did like the, uh, the one scene where it's all the fairies are on the spider web and all that yes. that water co uh, collection. It's like mm -hmm. it's all set to the music. And it's like uh, look the watching it on my my newer TV was fantastic. I loved it. Mm -hmm. It was it was so breathtaking, and I I thoroughly enjoyed this segment. It was wonderful, and just it's like. How they did that the night you know the the late 1930s and the 40s was just phenomenal. Just how Walt, mm -hmm. Walt Disney and that entire team did this was just breathtaking. So one of the things I was noticing, and I mm. noticed that I noticed this with two different it's both in this segment, but in this uh, two different scenes in this segment. Yeah, I thought was interesting is you can kind of tell where. Disney later on took inspiration. Oh yes, from this, uh, the underwater scenes look a lot like Little Mermaid. 
But of course, the Little Mermaid's a little bit cleaner under the sea. I'll, yeah, well, yes, but <laughs> I mean the animation style. Yes, is much more and is is a uh, looks like you can tell Little Mermaid took its visual style from the segment. Yes, in the same way, believe it or not, I think Frozen took its ice snow mm-hmm. uh spreading like you see during elsa's song yeah i think they took this from the snow fairies freezing the lake i can definitely because see that you can kind of see how okay that is very similar yeah it's like you know i want in some ways i want to retroactively ding frozen for just copying but then sometimes like no that's not what was going on this no. literally was homage to yes this. huge homage the fact that they recreate the effect in 3D, yeah, I, I, I'm much more appreciative of now. Yeah, but uh, I thought I, th- I thought that was interesting. How this is almost a foreshadow of yeah. later works Disney would do. Well, I, d- I did want to bring up one little thing when you mentioned uh, Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came to a lot of the rain effects, okay, a lot of them were copied. Yeah, a lot of them were copied, and how they how. Okay, so back in the 1980s, the the Disney vault or the the how they preserve things weren't as uh, safeguarded, right? As well, so right. so when they were in production, they were trying to be like one. They were having problems getting all the water effects in from China, mm-hmm. and so they were afraid we weren't going to have this or that. So when it came to the rain sequence on the boat and that amazing scene, yeah. They literally went to the vault. They, they literally went to the, the archive, pulled out scenes from, I think it was Bambi. They literally pulled out, you know, she, you know like. Bambi has underwater scenes? No, they have rain, it's rain oh, scenes. Okay, okay, rain okay. scenes. Okay. And so they literally take all these, you know, like treasured, um, uh, lack the better word of tra- or, uh, photocopies, photocopies mm-hmm. on, the, on the plastic. That were done in like the you know nineteen forty you know mid nineteen forties yeah when they did Bambi, and they literally just put it in the back of a truck and let it slosh around, and that's all I got in the film. It's, mm-hmm. I, I found that so incredibly interesting. It's like nowadays it'd be like that wouldn't happen in a million years. You would have armed security trying to yeah. get all these 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 very delicate. And back in the eighties, it was like. And throw in the back of a truck, we'll be fine. So I thought that'd be like a little, you know, little okay, tad bit of information about another Disney classic. All right, that ties in with another Disney classic. So uh, dislike wise for this segment, I don't really know if I, I guess the only really dislike I have for this is the fact that the segments don't seem to a lot of the segments don't seem to be connected. No, I know the songs aren't connected. No. very well. But, I mean, you don't really see... I, I was very much expecting, since they were showing off each of these individual things right. at the beginning, I was expecting by the end of it there was going to be something with everybody together. Right. And that's not what happens. Mm. So the fact that it is literally like a mini Fantasia in Fantasia <laughs> right. in some ways uh, is almost a disappointing that there's just not more cohesiveness in this segment. Okay. That makes sense. Um, my dislike about the uh, this segment would be I I think you brought it up earlier. They they completely miss uh, summer. They completely mm-hmm. miss summer in their the sequence. Uh, other than that, I thoroughly enjoy this segment. It's just 
or the 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 only thing I can really is like how the the farriers are drawn in some ways mm-hmm. that it's like they almost rotoscoped yeah some people or and, and that or is, just drew freehand that is something or didn't use bring references up uh one every you, everyone should know that these drawings are a little more adults let's say they, yes they are then uh, something like say Little Mermaid or uh, any really what you, more adult than you would assume for a yeah. Disney production. Not so much, not as much here, but later on we'll get to it. Yes, uh, we have two two other segments that have. <laughs> it's like whoa, okay. It's like, it's like <laughs> what was this rated? Yeah, this can't be rated G. Yeah, because I, you know, because there there again, I was be like when I watched it as a little a little yeah, it a goes young boy, right and I was like, your, hello, it goes right over your head, and then it's like, yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. You know, it's one thing when you had them and you just didn't draw the details in. Right. That's one thing. Right. It's, it's one thing when you drew them like Barbie dolls. Right. <laughs> it's another thing entirely. And you go to our last thing and it's like, okay. <laughs> you expected the kids to be asleep by this point. <laughs> Apparently. Anyway, we'll get well, to that. Which is The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. Directed by James Algar. The Sorcerer's Apprentice was written by Paul Dukas, or Dukas, is based on Goethe's 1797 poem, Der Lerling, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the only one that has Mickey Mouse in it. A young apprentice of the sorcerer Yen Sid, which you'll notice is Disney backwards, mm-hmm. and attempts some of his master's magic tricks, but does not know how to control them. It should also be noted that after the segment finishes, there is a short scene between a in silhouette Mickey Mouse and uh, the conductor Leopold, mm-hmm. in which you hear Mickey and Leopold talk to one another. Yes. And the voice of Mickey in that scene is Walt, Walt Disney, Disney, which is cool. Fun fact: He was the first voice of uh, the the mouse yes. himself. He voiced him a number of times. Although there was also another voice this time, but mm-hmm. they, Walt Disney went ahead and did it this time for a. Uh, I assume the cameo purposes and to thank uh, the conductor on screen. Mm -hmm. It should also be noted that uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice was actually the entire reason Fantasia exists. Really? Yes. Uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice was originally a, what Disney called Silly Symphonies. That was their version of the Mary. Oh yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, And there was apparently a believed, uh, popularity decline of Mickey Mouse at the time. Yes, and so Walt Disney wanted to bring him back, but in a big way, mm. and have this big musical uh, short to play in a bunch in front of a mo- play in front of a bunch of movies. The right. problem was it went over budget. <laughs> of course, like it always um, does. It was going to be expensive, and it was believed that most people would not want to see something like this in front of whatever movie it was going to be put in front of because very few people would be able to actually enjoy it properly. Right. Was the thought, was the thought there. So uh, Disney and uh, well, his brother Roy and Walt uh, decided that this would be better served as the centerpiece of a much bigger project, which it would end up becoming Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yes. So my first like, well, my first like, my like on this one is uh, a lot of the water effects. 
Oh, I know I've already talked yeah. about water effects. There's I, a lot of water effects in the movie. This one I feel is is the most amazing. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, you don't have a bunch of fish and other stuff getting in the way because all the water effects here are indoors. Mm-hmm. You can kind of tell this is the older, old, the oldest worked on project because the animation style seems a little bit. It, it's different. a lot. It's a lot. A little more out of place with the others. It's a little, it is out of place with the rest of it. Uh, but it is still a Mickey Mouse short. Yeah. Um, I, the entire thing is beautiful with the mm-hmm. along with the um, water effects. You got the magic effects mm-hmm. during Mickey's uh, nap, and then the fact that he can't get the uh, things to stop. Yeah. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse until Yen Sid comes down and just puts a stop to everything and. Makes Mickey have to go back to do it the hard way. way. But at the same time, you'll note that the sorcerer has kind of a bit of a smirk Little bit. on his face mm-hmm. as Mickey walks away. It's like, yeah, I remember doing stuff like that. Hey, <laughs> you live and learn and you just yes. get better at it. But yeah, it's, this is a fun, of, of all is. the shorts oh, in yeah. this entire thing, this has got to be the most fun. It is. And it's kind of, I kind of wish this had been where, where the movie started. Because mm-hmm. at the very least, you get this in, the kids would enjoy it. Everyone would know kind of what's going on. Yeah. And then you kind of get into the more esoteric stuff. Yeah. But uh, this is still a fun, a little uh, short, mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, my first like uh, is very similar to yours. That it's like one we get Sorcerer Mickey. Yes. We get Sorcerer Mickey the first ever. You know, where that came from. The big sorcerer's hat that was a Walt Disney World for and, decades. And let's face it, outside of his normal uh, shorts with no shirt look. Yeah. This is probably his most iconic look. It besides is. Besides that. It is. So. Yeah. Um, other than that, be like one, it's. Um, th- there was There's a part of me that really wishes that the scene would have just been. You know, instead of a short, it would have been like a full, you know, full length or what have you. Just this. Well, they what, tried what a, that with Nicolas yeah. Cage in the 90s, yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the movie. Yeah, eventually, I'm going to get around to watching it at some point. It's, it's I, not I keep animated, hearing, though. No, it's not, but I, I keep hearing very good things about it. We, we may have to do that on our other podcast, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, maybe so. Eventually. I think this was the... Because, like, like, like you said earlier, the fact that... Well, the, the, I, the simple idea that Mickey Mouse was on the decline... Yes. Is like unheard of for us. It's like everybody mm-hmm. knows who Mickey Mouse was. Yeah. Or is. But they thought, be like, they believed Mouse. him to be on the decline at the time. Yes. Which you have to remember, the Disney of then was not the Disney of now. It that is true. It's not the multimedia empire. Right. It's not like you could go down to your local store and buy a Mickey Mouse uh, bobble pen or something. Right. It's He was still mostly a cartoon character on par with like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Which Bugs Bunny is much more of a household name now, but Mm -hmm. at the time they really weren't. They were just like, these are the cartoons they showed in front of the things to keep the kids happy before the, the movie comes on for the adults. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, there again, it's kind of very odd. Like I said earlier, but this is basically the, I guess you would call the icon, the icon Mm -hmm. of this movie that, Everybody remembers. Be like, most people are yes. going to think this and this, but the Sorcerer's Apprentice is the is the segment that everybody's going to remember. It's going to be the most watched, probably most reviewed, or uh, 
reverent in a way of how this it's it's executed. The animation's amazing. Mm-hmm. The like you said, the water effects are just gorgeous. Yes, along with everyone, along with the brooms and Mickey uh-huh. trying to walk through all the water. Oh yeah, and it's like oh man, that is just done so stinking well. Yeah, the the, the fact that they 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 pull off the you know underwater almost no you know, no gravity walking is yeah. like it's so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like the it as a whole, the movie is done animation wise. For the most part, done exceedingly well. Exceedingly and, and well. And this to, this segment is just and, and admittedly, gold. from our perspective, you have to continually yeah. remind yourself that every animated frame mm-hmm. in this movie was drawn by hand. Every inch, every mm-hmm. pixel. Of it, yeah, and hand painted. It's not like the '80s and '90s where we had the cap system that Mm -hmm. made it easier to do all the stuff. No, this was all painstakingly done by hand. Yeah, and you look at this and you go, "Oh my word! Mm -hmm. I can't believe somebody drew this not once, but thirty, sorry, twenty-six times a second Mm -hmm. for." Was it a ten to fifteen minute video uh, section just for the Sorcerer's Apprentice? Yeah, that that blows my mind. Yeah, and how 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 big of a team at that point they had to have in order to pull this off? Yeah, because when uh, there's a reason every single one of these segments is a different director. Oh yeah, different director, different animators. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, Disney was a huge company at this point. Oh yeah, back in the forties, and uh, they had like over I think it was like two hundred, three hundred. Uh, employees that's doing this yes and it was phenomenal oh my gosh this like th- this segment like you could separate it and put it on its own yes. and just it's gold well that's the thing i think with the exception of takata and fugue yeah i think all of these have been released separately agree from fantasia yeah but i still enjoy watching them all together so agree uh do we have a dislike for this segment? I don't, the, the, the closest thing I can come up with is the fact that you can tell that this has got a slightly uh, dated, in comparison, a visual style. Right. Because Especially on Yen Sid himself. Because yes. he's got very broad lines, and it feels like there's a... Especially in the beginning when he's casting those initial magic tricks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't look as smooth. Mm-hmm. As the rest of Fantasia, yeah, but it's because it was it started off as a different project, right? So there is that. Uh, the only dislike I could actually think of is when Mickey takes a hatchet to the broom and. Oh, I loved that! <laughs> oh, I I loved it! I love that! I love that! Definitely, it's done. It's silhouette. Yes. It was perfect. The only problem I had with it was. After Mickey has be like, okay, this is done. I'm going to mm-hmm. take a nap. And they reanimate into m- what it looks like millions of others of broomsticks. And the buckets. And they all all the buckets already have water in exactly. them. Exactly. That's a little like, weird. But really, for the most of that, I can kind of let pass. Yeah, it's magic. Here's the part I can't let pass. Okay. You go, the way they animated the transformation of these broken pieces of the broom. Yeah into the smaller uh, into the other brooms 
literally it just feels like they shook they have the the animation shake for a little bit and all of a sudden poof, the thing is a broom and it's not like you have a a magic cloud thing happen yeah. or any other effect it's just shake 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 oh look it's a broom yeah it's like I wish you'd have done a little more than that mm-hmm. to make that happen. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to go full, show it morph slowly into from the shards into its full, a full on broom. Right. But I, a little bit of something other than just what is amounts to millions of little jump cuts on screen at one time. Bibbidi bobbidi boom. But bibbidi bobbidi boo did a better job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> a well, lot better job. Well, let, let, let's say this bibbidi, it went bibbidi boom. Yeah. It skipped Bobbity. It skipped Boo. There was no fight against Goku. I'm joking here. Moving on. <laughs> um, that's that's really all I've really got. For okay, this yeah, segment. That's, that's yeah. Same here. So moving on to the next section. No, oh yeah, there it goes. Hang, hang on. Yeah, it's moving. It's hang just, on. Yeah, it's a little slow. Let me. Uh, maybe it's just yeah. It's just rendering hiccup. We're fine. Okay. Good. Okay. Next section. Next segment. The Rite of Spring was directed by Bill Roberts and Paul Satterfield. Uh, the song was written by Igor Stravinsky, and it is a visual history of the Earth's beginning as depicted by science to mm-hmm. selected sections of the ballet score. The sequence progresses from the plant's formation to the first living creatures, followed by the rain and extinction of the dinosaurs. And like I texted you yesterday right after I got done with this segment, mm-hmm. I think this is an unofficial prequel to... Um, the, the land before time, time. <laughs> because I'm looking and going, these dinosaurs look like they came like, well, not that they can come out of it. Obviously they had to be the other way around. looks like they're heading towards the great Valley and they can't find their tree stars. <laughs> yeah. So interesting point on that. All right. So Don Bluth. Yes. Be like his biggest inspiration for land before time. was this segment? I can see that. Yeah, because like, it looks like it came straight out of it. Oh, yeah. In the uh, commentary on The Lamb Before Time, he mentions me like, yeah, biggest inspiration was this segment from The Lamb Before Time. Because it's there's so, it's so apparent. Oh, yeah. So apparent. The look of the uh, of the, the wasteland. Yeah, the wasteland of the, the world. The general look of, every, of the dinosaurs that we do see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I do kind of like that the T-Rex was nice enough to kill the... Uh, stegosaurus slowly yeah so that it could, it could go to sleep instead of being viciously ripped apart like i was expecting to happen at any second right <laughs> and i'm saying that jokingly because it's like oh come on be a little more violent this is not how the i mean heck the dinosaur stuff we watched was more violent than this yes this looks like it just softly bit down on the stegosaurus's neck went, and the stegosaurus Arr. gave up after it after it, it gave pum- up the ghosts. <laughs> after it pummeled it, uh, pummeled the T Rex a little bit with a thagomizer. Yeah, that's the official name of that. Okay, I didn't know that. As worded, and and you know where that term comes from? No, Gary Larson, really, of the Far Side. Hmm. He was the scientist hadn't come up with a name for it. He did it as a joke, and the scientists just started using it because they had no other uh, anything alternative, and they just liked the name, so it, the name stuck. That's why it's not called the thagomizer. Gotcha. Okay, that's that's another very interesting bit of trivia. Oh, we're just all th- about the bits of trivia tonight. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. I don't know it's fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is a. F- I mean, admittedly, 
I disagree with the science behind this. Ag- agreed. And what happened? Same here. But because I am a Christian, I do believe in Genesis. Yeah. Um, but all that considered, the Book of Genesis. Let's yes, the Book of Genesis. Bear, not the Genesis torpedo that blew up and killed Spock, uh, <laughs> or the Sega console that launched that had Sonic the Hedgehog on it. Well, technically, though, I do like the Genesis. Yeah, because well, Genesis does what Nintendo. That and that's debatable. <laughs> Your, to your point, it'd be like well, it was a, the it, NES. It was a, that commercial was against, not the Super Nintendo. Nuance. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna because one, you just stated something that I think you were kind of incorrect for, and I'm gonna correct you on a Star Trek thing, which is kind of weird. Okay, admittedly, yes, the d- torpedo is not what killed Spock. Thank you. Granted, I was being trying to be funny and moving along. Yes. Technically, it killed Ricardo Montalban. My apologies. Anyways. Con! <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I did get off topic there, didn't I? Yes, you did. Um, I do enjoy the uh, the visualization of what they depict. Uh, I, I Even the, uh, the single-celled organism section, I thought, was visually very interesting in how they showed that, especially since... Uh, I don't know how much they knew about uh, what those single-celled organisms looked like at the time. No, they didn't. Uh, one thing I found interesting was they talk about how the dinosaurs may have died from the des- the planet warming and turning into a desert and lack of water. Yeah. My understanding is the dinosaurs died because a giant meteor hit the Earth and threw it into a, a, a kind of... Uh, well, it, it just... It caused a, almost an atomic-like explosion that covered the covered the planet in yeah. dirt and debris, and that meteorite hit somewhere in the Yucatan Peninsula. Yeah, but I got to thinking, and I, I'm still I have not found where, this information out yet. I am kind of curious when they discovered that it was a meteorite that killed the dinosaurs and not the slow death they show in this film, right? That would that would be interesting to know. I don't think it's that's something you're gonna have to look up and eventually. I did a little bit of re- tried tried to do a little bit of research on yeah. it yesterday and I could not find the wrong spot. Anyone knows, please. Yeah, te- let- email us at the cellcastpodcast at gmail.com or write it in the notes mm-hmm. or in the comments of or however you're watching us. Heck, leave it in a review. Yeah. So and, yeah. Yeah, kudos if you can do that. That's real I guess you could say that's my dislike is the dinosaurs didn't die from a meteorite. No, but... Which um, goes against what I understood how they died. But yeah. maybe they didn't know that's how they died yet. Yeah, so maybe, I will let it go. Yeah. Yeah, just like Elsa. Let it go. Exactly. All right. Um, my... I think I skipped over your you, like. When you I went did. My so, dislike, yeah. But let's yeah. go to my like. Your like and dislike. Okay, my like. Uh, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Quite literally with this segment. Uh, it's... It's very well done. Uh, I disagree with the uh, the way scientists believe the Earth was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that we have a uh, almighty creator who created yeah. it all, and everything has a purpose. And uh, everything just wasn't by chance. So, For those of you who are curious why we are adamant at saying this, while we don't promote... Uh, we, don't, we don't shove religion into the show or no. places it doesn't exist... When the topic comes up, we're we gonna will talk. just talk about it. And we will be honest. Yes. 
So, so if you don't like it, yes, this is not the first time it's happened. No, it's, just it's been not. a while since it's happened. Yeah. So when it comes to comes to our faith, we are going to express we'll be, it. We will be honest, and we're not going to shy away from it. Exactly. All right. So we don't care if you th- if you disagree with us. We yeah. Care that exactly. you, but we do care about you. Yeah. Exactly. It's called love one another. <laughs> yes. Amazing that that can happen in this day and age. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, continue with your thoughts. Yeah. So uh, there again, I I disagree with how it's scientifically proven. But uh, they do skip a lot around. Cause, yeah, because this this could have been like a full length animation, and I can and and they it, s- it, it wouldn't have been very entertaining. And they stop at what I would have considered the interesting part. Yeah, because going I, through the desert and everybody, and everybody dies. dies. It's like okay, but you're not going to go into the rises of mammalian life forms. Probably not. I mean, show me how the platypus happened. Yeah, I want to see that. That, that would have been fun. Yeah, uh, the the scene where Despite the, the fact we don't know how the planet was. No, happened. we don't because there again, God has a very interesting sense of, sense of humor. I'm convinced the platypus exists because it's like, oh, you're going to categorize all mammalian life into certain phylums. Try it with this, exactly, or it's, Australia. It's mama- It's a mammal. It's a bird. Mm-hmm. It lays eggs like a like a snake or a, or, a, or a reptile, mm-hmm. and it's amphibious. Have fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Darwin. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, uh, the the segment in which the fish comes out of water. Yes. I was like, okay, that's. Okay. I I found the animation very good. What the, I remember from my historical geology class. Right. There was essentially two types of fish around this time. There right. Was the fish we are more familiar with that have the. Uh, more of the flipper style fins. Yeah. And then there were the bony fins. Yeah. The bony finned fish were thought to be extinct for a very long period of time until a uh, fisherman off the coast, I believe, of off of India. Yeah. Caught one of these ba- these things. Really? And it was big. <laughs> so it's like, uh, okay, you're interesting. Okay. Boom. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't like Godzilla being caught. <laughs> But Gojira, Gojira, get out of here! Like Zoinks, man, let's get out of here. Okay, Rogi. <laughs> right. I, that's it. I want a Scooby Doo versus Godzilla movie now. Okay. Anyway, so I, I mean, Scoobyzilla. The uh, so what I'm trying to get at is the bony fish that Fantasia shows crawling out of the mm-hmm. sea is at least ba- now. Emily, the bo- the bony the bony fish hadn't been caught by this point. Yeah. In Actually, it wasn't uh, caught to like the 90s, 2000s. So this is based on generally what they thought that first fish that became an amphibian looked like. Right. And it does happen to resemble to some degree that fish that was caught. Okay. Just a little interesting side bit. I got you. I did take geology in college. Mm. Okay. Well, which meant I had to study this stuff. And from what I remember, except for the thing about the meteorite killing the dinosaurs, it is accurate. Okay. To what scientists believe. Yeah, and to what scientists of the 1940s believed. Precisely. Mm-hmm. So kudos for your scientific accuracy. Yeah. For what that's worth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. But either way, uh, I, I did jo- there. There are certain segments where this is very good. There again, I disagree with the scientific yes. viewpoint, but it's an enjoyable segment. This is 
my dislikes are more that it's very abrupt. I, I, I te- I've noted that I tended to prefer it once the dinosaur showed up. Yeah, exactly. Because that was at least interesting yeah. to watch. But the rest of it was like, eh. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. There's the... Uh, the the Especially the lava planet part at the beginning, that was just not that interesting to watch. Yeah, it was it was very well animated. Yeah, but it wasn't interesting. Exactly. It's like okay, like I've I've seen this a thousand times. Yeah, but obviously it was made in 1940. It was very Maybe well. It's probably well, the first time it showed. And admittedly, right. it is set up very well with the music. Right, and it fits the uh, it fits what the music is doing at the time. At that po- at that point in the so- music in the song, yeah, it's just visually it's not that interesting because I've seen it a hundred times and that could be literally any planet. Yeah, quite literally. Anyway, uh, yeah, definitely my discri- my uh, dislikes on dislikes dislikes mm-hmm. uh, would definitely fall into the 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 segments of where the point where the dinosaurs come in. That's great. That's mm-hmm. very well done. Uh, the other part, meh, but it just ends very abruptly and there's no real, like, it's just, there's no real conclusion to it. Yes. Because obviously we know the dinosaurs go extinct. Extinct. Yeah. But yeah, that's my only dislike. All right. So because obviously the only one dislike. Yeah. At this point in the, the film, Mm -hmm. we enter intermission. Yes. Now, thankfully, despite the fact the guy says there'll be a 15 minute intermission. Uh huh. I am so thankful that Disney decided not to take him take him up on his word on Disney Plus. Yes, it was like that. I, it was like a minute. It was like okay, thank you for only being gone a minute, or, or if if that, I think it was close to like thirty seconds once ever, once they closed the curtain. Yeah, so to speak. Yeah, because I personally, when I saw that, I was okay. I can either fast forward. Or mm-hmm. go do something because, like you, you, yeah, you, you yeah, watch movies like Titanic or Pearl Harbor. Yeah, there's like a thirty minute intermission. Yeah, but thankfully Disney Plus did not keep that in there. I'm guessing there must be a point in the theatrical version where yeah. there's a cut and it cuts back into the uh, title card because we do see the title card. At yes, this we point. do. Uh, but as the band is coming back on stage after the intermission, mm-hmm. there is a brief jam session. Led by a clarinetist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a jazzy sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but as that that only goes on for a couple minutes, kind of getting you back into the feel of the show. Yeah. It really is what I think that is. Uh, but before we get back into the rest of the segments, we get a nice little educational bit. Yeah, a little about bit. About how sound works in a film. Boom. Literally, this section is called Meet the Soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, this is a humorously solid demonstration of how sound is rendered on film. Uh, the animated soundtrack character, initially a straight white line, changes into different shapes and colors based on the sound. I actually kind of think this segment is interesting. Oh, I did forget to mention this was directed by uh, David Hand and Paul Satterfield. Mm-hmm. I thought this was an interesting segment. It was. Uh, the intermission and the jazz part, maybe not as much, because it really, it, it wasn't really a full jazz song. It was really more of a little bit of a, like it says, a jam session. <laughs> Yeah, you kinda, and it doesn't even go that long. No, it doesn't. It's like a minute. Yeah, and it's just long enough for uh, Deems was for Deems Taylor to get back to his position, mm-hmm. and then he begins the soundtrack. Yeah. the soundtrack portion, which 
as someone who is currently staring at the waveform of a recording podcast, pretty much, uh, I will say that is in some cases that is very reminiscent of the sound wave. Yeah, but not exact because no, you can tell this is not. They did not just take the the sound wave portion and stick it visually where you can see it. Mm-hmm. It is an anim. It is animation based on that sound wave. Yes. Which I think looked interesting and was and was cool and all, mm-hmm. and it's a nice kind of a breather after you know the hardness of especially the last two. Yeah, uh, to kind of breath of fresh air, get you back working in after that intermission. Yes, before we get into the next segment, I thought it was just kind of a fun little thing. Yeah, it was, and I especially liked how the character actually was a character it actually yeah. had person the soundtrack had a personality of all things as it showed each of these individual sound waves yeah agreed so yeah that was my thoughts my thoughts uh kind of in the same vein kind of the same vein it has the uh it does the the sound wave or soundboard or whatever it's called the the soundtrack soundtrack okay there we go use the pro- use proper word soundtrack that's what they call it in the yeah. show anyway yeah so the soundtrack be like yeah obviously it does have personality it's kind of lively it kind of gives you because mm-hmm. after you're in a mission it kind of gives you something to kind of build back up to yeah and uh it's it's a good little small segment which yeah. is it's it's it's, it's nothing fun. To, it's nothing to write no home it's about, not but it's an interesting little segment and yeah i especially like when he's doing the the low note on the bassoon mm-hmm. how on the sides you can kind of see the some of the wave kind of go up and down. Yeah. Like it's flab that's kind of moving. Right. I thought that was kind of a nice little effect that most people probably wouldn't see. Probably not. I thought it was cool. Cool. So. All right. So into our next. Into the next full segment. Yes. Uh, The next segment was the Pastoral Symphony, which Uh was written by Ludwig von Beethoven. And the animation was directed by Jim Handley. Um, this section, a mythical Greco-Roman world of colorful centaurs and centaurettes, cupids, fauns, and other figures from classical mythology, i.e. Greek mythology, mm-hmm. is portrayed to Beethoven's music. A gathering for a festival to honor Bacchus, the god of wine, is mm-hmm. interrupted by Zeus, who creates a storm and directs Vulcan to forge lightning bolts for him to throw mm-hmm. at the attendees. Yes. My like on this is... Uh, this is probably the first one outside of, say, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. In which I think we have fun. Yeah. With this. Uh, I mean, the animation is nice and clean and stylish. It's a fun little uh, little thing. And I swear the donkey that Bacchus is riding through this, mm-hmm. I swear that model was reused for small one. The uh, Don Bluth uh, short that he did while he was still working at Disney. Oh, Okay. That is actually kind of sort of based on uh, whole account. Oh yeah, Balaam's donkey. Yeah, not Balaam's donkey. Really? It was a. It, it, I think it has. I have to look it up. Oh okay. But uh, you know what it re- reminded me of? Yeah, Pinocchio. There's a bit of Pinocchio yeah. in this because he does kind of remind me of the kids that got turned into donkeys. Yeah, that is a weird. Uh, I've I seen. don't like the design of Bacchus. Though. Yeah, he's too cartoony for. The rest of the segment. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, like I said, this is the one where I, one portion of it, I have a different song playing in my head than, uh, the, than the one that's actually here because I, because of how I originally saw it. 
but uh, I do enjoy this. Yeah, it's it's very fun. Uh, this is also the segment that got censored. Yeah, the heavily, most. heavily. Uh, for those of you who do not know, even though I think we went into this a little bit a minute ago, we did. We went um, fully into it. Yeah, not even fully into it. Essentially, there is a scene, and I tried to spot where it w- might have been cut out of here because oh, it's it's very very it's very short, and it's. I think I saw where they kind of redid, they, they copied some, uh, a segment in order to keep it in line with the music. Yeah. But uh, essentially what happened was there's a segment where uh, one of the elder centaurettes is having her hair done by a younger centaurette who is in blackface. Yeah, who is uh, based after an African young mm-hmm. girl who is a donkey, who has a the... Back half a donkey. Yes. And she's her running. Her name she's, is Sunflower. Yeah, Sunflower, and she's basically serving everybody around her. Right. So she, there's obviously you have that bit of a slave master sort of a thing going on yes. with this. Mm-hmm. And she is full, it is a black faced character from what yeah, I saw. Yeah, very which much is so. Weird when you consider the zebras that are with Bacchus later on. Yeah. But that somehow works better, and I can't tell you why. Hmm. But and really, I've not seen the full uncensored version of this, although you can find that on YouTube. Yeah, I, I just I, didn't get around to watching yeah, it. Yeah, I actually, I actually did, and after watching those scenes, uh-huh. it because how they edited Sunflower out, because one of them they simply just cut, they copped the frame out or copped, cut be like chopped the frame. Yeah, and uh, one of them where it's a Bacchus, you call him Bacchus. Yeah, Bacchus. That's the. The god of wine. That's certainly the Roman god of wine. Right, but they call it. They call him Bacchus. They do call him Bacchus. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Why it's a Bacchanalia. Well, that's true. But technically, he's Dionysus. <laughs> true. <laughs> which is the Greek, and which is a Greek telling, so it's Dionysus. True. I'm just going with. I I went with Bacchus because they went with Bacchus. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like it's called. Dean's Taylor calls him Bacchus. Okay. <laughs> Roman but it's likers. actually Dionysus. <laughs> yeah, it's Dionysus. What are you, a, a, a myth- mythological weeb? Maybe. <laughs> I like history. I can't help I, it. I'm just, I'm, I'm yanking your chain. Oh, here. yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> anyway, but I, uh, I don't like his design either way. No. Yeah, either Dionysus or, or, or Bacchus, Bacchus. Whatever you want to what, call him. Whatever you want to call him. But uh, it's, it's, it's a very weird design. And plus, yeah. He Bacchus was a like you know a, a party god, and this would be like yeah he's you know but it's like this guy okay. just seemed like Otis the drunk, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, so back to my point when it comes to sunflower, the uh, the poor si- sunflower, yeah, poor sunflower, exactly. I feel sorry for sunflower. I do, I do, I do, I do. Um, just the the fact that okay when you have. Bacchus, who is mm-hmm. going up to his throne, and you see the carpet laid out. Yeah, that's actually Sunflower. Yeah, it'd be like she's prancing along, mm-hmm. unfolding the uh, the carpet. Right, and uh, I thought it was very it, watching watching it for the first time. It's like, okay, that's interesting. But now that I have more context, it's yeah. like, oh, okay, they really did some really heavy editing. Yes, like now put the time in to ad- do it. Admittedly, yeah. We are two white men. We cannot comment on exactly the troubles that our African American brethren mm-hmm. have gone through. Yes, but you having seen that, how much of that, how much of that editing did that did taking her out really seem to affect? 
Um, a l- was it enough that it's a that it actually it may have neg- taking her out may have negatively affected the piece? Is she really necessary for the 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 short? I don't be th- like Cause, cause, that's that's kind of hard to say. It's yeah. kind of hard to say. Um, there again, I am I am a f- I am a fan of being an artist myself. Yes, that going in and editing your stuff, mm-hmm. I think is kind of a disservice to your own creativity. But understanding the 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 circumstances why it was taken out, right. it's totally understandable. And, and and to be fair, I am fine. Like I said earlier, I'm fine with an alternate cut of it existing with her taken out. Yes, I'm fine with that, and I am fine reviewing that version for the show. Yes, I would still perf- wish I could. We could have officially, yeah, a full version of this uncut, uncensored. Yes, even if you've got to. I don't know. There's got to be a way to do it where people understand this is not right. This is not, we should not have done this in right. the first place. This is here for historical purposes only. only. Yes. There's got to be a way to do that. Uh, Cause I do agree that maybe this was not the best character to have placed here for these, for the it, roles they put her exact, in. Exactly. Maybe any, maybe one of the cherubs would have been a better choice. Yeah, for I agree. Many of those shots that we see the rest throughout the rest right. of the segment. Right. Um, maybe one of the zebra girls, which seemed to be less racist, uh, could have handled rolling out that red carpet. Yes. Now, um, my thoughts is if you are, if you self censor yourself before you quote unquote release. The art. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is perfectly understandable yes. because that is part of the creative process. That is you critically thinking about the piece and deciding maybe this is not what I should do. Yeah. And I'm fine with an alternate take after the fact. Oh, yeah. For a much more appealing version as long as the original version is somewhere available, even if it's something that is detestable. Right. Or just not as good. Yeah, it's, it's something that, like, it's like but yeah, for historical like, purposes. Exactly. I want it there. Yeah, I'm not. I feel like I'm kind of stumbling over my words because I don't want to seem bad. That's <laughs> understandable. That sense. That's understandable. But uh, I'll admit this is a controversial opinion because most people's like, no, no, get rid of it. Yeah. I don't believe in that because that is literally whitewashing. That is trying to get rid of the warts from our past. Yeah. And I disagree with that concept because yeah. if you don't learn from history you're going to repeat history whether you yeah. want to or not. Yeah, you're going to do that. That's you're really my that. thoughts. And I, and in some ways, I still want to see the uncut version to see the artist's original vision for this, yeah. even if a portion of that is sullied. Yeah, exactly. But that's just my thoughts. Yeah, I, can, I completely understand and completely agree with you on that. Um, so the 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 only point I can really see where Sunflower's like, importance in that scene would definitely be her rolling out the mm-hmm. the uh, the carpet for and uh, for even, Bacchus. Strangely enough, I think it even works without her being there. No, it does. It gives it more so, of a, a magical, whimsical yeah feel to it. Well, it feels like it rolled off screen from off screen on screen like yeah, exactly. Just, you know, done the whole flip of the thing and it rolled out. Yeah, and admittedly, most of these changes were made in 1969. Yes, they were. So uh, the fact that even those edits look as good as they do, yeah, I think it's pretty decent. Yeah, I agree. And I think these are more like, like some of the edits, because uh, originally when they, they were literally started taking the character out, 
uh, it was literally they were either cutting these scenes because originally they just cut it. Yeah. Whatever scene she was in, they cut it. But uh, obviously it was re it was re it was rediscovered and re-edited right uh, in the nineties, and so they literally digitally removed the character. And that uh, makes sense. Yeah. Because if the problem with cutting the animation completely out of the film, yeah. The film no longer matches the music, and that's ninety percent of the point yeah. of the of Fantasia, is the music and the animation work together. Mm-hmm. And if you just cut it out, that means it's not going to match anymore. You're either going to cut part of the music out, which would make all the music nerds mad, right? Or you cut. It's just it was a Kobayashi Maru scenario until we got to a point where we could digitally remove the character. Yeah, exactly. So you're looking at a point of nearly thirty years. Yes. 30, 25 so years. So I'm glad it looks as good now. Exactly. We, we've gotten it as close as you can get it without actually having Sunflower there. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel Sunflower. I do. I'd be like, it's, I don't be like, think, she, this is going to sound weird. Uh, I, 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 in some cases, when I watch stuff like this, mm-hmm. I think of the characters as real people. Okay. And then I know one character gets cut out for whatever yeah. reason, even if character is an unfortunate happenstance like this is yeah i feel sorry for the character despite the fact the character is not real yeah but anyway understand all right so what is your first like what is your like on this my like yeah i thought we kind of went over that a little i think bit, i think but, we did actually um to to make it paint make it clear i i love the animation mm-hmm. on this i think this is the uh th- this is probably the lightest animation in terms of feel uh, and it works here. Uh, the only uh, the only thing I did not really like per se is uh, the look of whatever wind god that is. Emily, I don't know the names of all Greek pantheon. Yeah, but the wind god that comes up in the storm that's blowing everything. I just don't like the look of him. Yeah. Uh, all the other of the mythological entities I think look good, especially um, can't think of either. Uh, and I literally had a thought of, oh, look, it's a Skittles commercial. <laughs> mm. Also, why didn't they go through the rainbow? Why did they go around? Why did they stay behind it the whole time? It's like, that would have been a cool animation thing to show you coming through the rainbow going. Anyway, it's, I'm crazy. No, it's all right. Uh, what is your yeah, like the, and dislike? Well, one, when you said, be like, who was the, uh, the Greek god of wind? That was uh, Alos, mm. which I'd never heard of. Be like, yeah, obviously you see well, him. I mean, there's some deep cuts. In, yeah, there, there are this, a lot of deep cuts. Because I didn't recognize half of the gods and goddesses they brought up. And the, uh, oh, there was, Because like, the only, the only two, only three gods I actually knew are only yeah. on screen for five seconds. And one of them looks like they just, look like they literally reanimated a statue of them. Yeah. But, yeah, like, my first likes was the fact to be like, there's, so, there's like, deep cuts. It's so mm-hmm. in-depth with how the, uh, how, like, the Greek pantheons, because I was actually just watching the over Greece uh, before, before I came over here, uh, because there again, I'm a big history nerd. I yep. like mythology. Uh, heck, I follow a lot of history, like, other history nerds on YouTube, and what, just, like, how they just, like, deep dive in some of these, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating. And be like how like the the cult of Bacchus back in the day, or, yeah. Uh, just how that origin and everything was so good. Uh, I like that. The how do I say this? How do I say this? Because when I was a kid, 
when I was a child, com- you know, granted coming from a child's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, watching this scene for the first time, it's like, oh, this is how we're starting. Yeah. You know, a bunch of centaurettes bathing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. And, um, and that, that, that had my, of, my very young attention. One of, the, one of them needs to get some leaves. Yeah. They, 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 she comes out of the water. They, they, they do very shortly thereafter, and it's like, okay. What, what took you? <laughs> yeah, what took you so long? Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very interesting approach how they, they took it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, one, it's beautifully animated. It's a beautifully animated series, scene, not series, scene, uh, or segment. And it, it tells a very good story. It tells a very good story mm-hmm. that, because uh, obviously it's Greece, it's Greek, and uh, the Greek gods had a tendency to be like, let's mess with people a little yeah. bit, a- including, you know, the, the, uh, the woodland forest, woodland, mm-hmm. the woodland creatures. So let's just mess with everybody because that's what they did. Right. And Vexia um, people were like, oh, the Greek gods were amazing. It's like, uh, no, they weren't. No. They, they they were basically the idea of what humans saw gods. Yeah. They were and literally humans with superpowers. Yeah, pretty that's much. what they were. Yeah. It's like, eh, oh, no, go back go back and read a lot of the mythology. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's... It's like, do I really want to worship something that's basically <laughs> me? Yeah. It's like, no, absolutely not. And you have cared nothing for me? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> they the Lord for Jesus Christ. Let's say yes. that. Yes, Amen. I agree. But um, with all that said, be like, I, I love the historical points. Uh, and I will get to my one nitpick about this film, mm-hmm. our segment of this film, or this part segment, whatever, uh, in a minute. But yes, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Go ahead, I, go ahead and give that dislike because I'm okay, curious. Okay, my dislike. Because I kind of already gave my dislike. Okay, my my dislike, and I, I guess where you were reading yours from, it was how they, you know, what they saw of it. Um, my dislike is how they depict Zeus getting his lightning bolts. <laughs> he got them from Vulcan. Yeah, which technically is Roman, admittedly. Yeah. yeah. So, to... Technically, in Greeks, it would be Hephaestus. Yeah, it's Hephaestus. But it wouldn't be Hephaestus. It wasn't Hephaestus who gave uh, Zeus his lightning. Okay. It was the Cyclops. The Cyclops gave Zeus his lightning bolts. So, he wouldn't get it from Hephaestus. True. But I understand why they would put Hephaestus in there. Because it's a very very visual point. Yeah, but it's completely, utterly, mythologically wrong. So they don't even get their mythology. No, correct. they get their mythology way messed up. All right, <laughs> because I, I was halfway expecting to see either Poseidon or um, Hades show up. That would have made some more sense. That would have made a little more sense. Well, we'll get Hades later. Yeah, in a different thing. Yeah, we will. All yeah. Right. So that that was that was my one dislike. There was. Just, it's like a little mythology here and there. It's like when they got um, Greek god of wine. Bacchus. Bacchus, thank you. Oh, that's Bacchus. the Roman god of wine, yeah, that's but a, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Hephaestus. Hephaestus. No. No. That's, no. You're, you're, that's the blacksmith. I'm, that's right. Wrong one. I, I always, I always get Dionysus, uh, I think. Dionysus. Thank earlier. you. It is Dionysus. Thank you very much. I'd be like, I don't want to sound like an idiot on, on here. But uh, yes. Uh 
That would be like when they when uh, Bacchus. Let's use Bacchus. Uh, that's what they call him. Yeah, they call him Bacchus, which is wrong. Oh, uh, well, I mean, technically, Bacchus would have been based on Dionysus. Yes, technically, but technically, this just is like Greece. Vulcan would have been based on Hephaestus. Yeah, but yes, they got it wrong. Yeah, what what basically was the Romans were like? Oh, we're too lazy. We're just still your gods. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the, we're, we're, the, we're getting off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah a little bit. But uh, the the way they used Bacchus and how he, you know, with the animals and all that good stuff was good. I mm-hmm. like that part. I really right. like that part. So, yes, that's my like and dislike of right. this segment. Next segment. We have two more, and this is already going to be our longest episode. <laughs> so far. Yeah, so far. Uh, Dance of the Hours uh, was, of course, written by, the song was written by Amilcare Ponicelli. I hope I said that right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the animation was directed by Teehee. Teehee. Okay. That's literally what it says. Uh, this is a comic ballet in four sections. Uh, Madame Upanova and her ostriches are in the morning. Hyacinth Hippo and her servants are the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Elephant Scene and her bubble-blowing elephant troop in the evening. And Ben Ali Gator and his troop of alligators are night. The finale finds all the characters dancing together until the palace collapses. Mm-hmm. I am convinced that the bubbles with the elephants are a direct inspiration to Pink Elephants on Parade in Dumbo. Yeah, I, I, di- I did see one review of where be like, there's parts of this absolutely beautiful as going to be yes. greatly animated. And you can and definitely then it's tell just insanity. There is a lot of insanity. <laughs> definitely in this, in this scene. Definitely and in this segment. I'm watch. I remember watching this and going, it's because it starts off with the ostrich. I'm going, eh, I don't care about ostrich. And this is a they're really pushing the ballet in this version. Oh yeah. And going, eh, it's ballet. I'm not a big ballet fan. I don't really understand ballet. No. I don't understand what the dance steps mean. It's not my thing. Hmm. And then you're showing the ostrich. It's like, well, ostrich is an okay concept, but eh, I don't care. And then they get to the hippo. I'm thinking, okay, this is interesting. Right. It's still kind of a, it's still slow. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay. I'm recognizing, at least by this point, I've recognized the song. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard it a hundred different times. And I'm going through it thinking, okay, this is kind of interesting. And then she goes to sleep and the elephants come out. And it's getting a little bit. It's still slow. It's yeah. sort of thing. It is slow. It's a slow until segment until the gators come. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, okay. Now we're getting into the more fun part of this because the gators are attacking the hippo. Wait a minute. Yeah, that that's not how this works. <laughs> no. The hippo would kill the gator. gator. <laughs> yeah, the alligator. Yes. Uh, but then you get the last bit of it where the where everything's go is chaos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Okay, this is just fun. Yeah. I, I'm not supposed to take any bit of this seriously. Right. I'm just having fun with this because a lot of this is like, you got a lot of visual fun things like the the gator trying to get the elephant through the pillars. And oh, it's gosh. Stuck yes. Like half the segment. It's yes. like, okay. It's like, oh, man. It's, it's just pure chaos by mm-hmm. the end of it. It is. And it's just fun. It is. Um, my like is that it's just, this is a fun segment yeah that you're not supposed to take too seriously they just right. had fun with it mm-hmm. uh, what's your first like what's your like on this what my like is is the the latter the latter part i'm kind of like with you when it comes to mm-hmm. the the 
the former and second. The former yes. second of the segment. Um, it's it drags. Mm-hmm. It drags. It's not. It's it's and some visually of that, some of that is animated because wells. of the music, right? Because the music does not pick up. No, it doesn't. The part everyone knows until like the very end of it. Yeah, the the third the the latter the third the third act of this segment be like I love it because like that one comment said it's pure insanity mm-hmm. and it's fun it's entertaining it's yes. basically what you know a a, y- a young boy at my age when I first saw it, it was like okay I enjoy this this is a lot of fun oh, yeah. The the first and second is like this is boring as me. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Can we get to some action, some funny I comedy, mean, and, and you, we finally get there? I mean, with, with the ostrich, one of the musical things they do is they have her to the camera in time with the music. Yeah, like, I was like, okay, you couldn't have come up with something better. Yeah, what is this Swan Lake? Maybe. That would have been more interesting. Yeah, than <laughs> these ostriches, but I don't know. But either way. Uh yeah, if my dislike is really the ostrich section because it's like the dullest part of the soul segment. It is. It's and it feels like it's almost unnecessary because the the hippos are present throughout the the elephant part, mm-hmm. and of course they're all three back there, and, and even the ostriches are in the finale, but they're in the finale so little. Yeah, that it's like I don't understand why we were introduced to them. Yeah, even though. They're the morning, they're the dawn, and we're technically the chaos part is us heading back into the dawn. Yeah. Based on the the what how it's supposed to work. I almost feel like the ostriches were unnecessary. Understood. Anyway. Uh I'm I'm in I'm in the same boat as you with this. The uh, the the first segment with the ostriches is there again, I don't understand ballet, I don't understand dancing, as some people do. Uh if you if someone knows more about this than then we obviously do, mm-hmm. uh, let us know down in the comments, and you know wherever you can, you know, put it wherever on social. Get a hold of us. Yeah, social media. Just you know, put it down. It's like, hey, this what this all means. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, give you kudo points or you know something, something. Sell points. Yeah, sell points. They're worth. Yeah, somewhere down the line, we who might knows? do something with them. Maybe who knows? Uh, but yeah, the the, the like I said earlier, the first and second half of this segment is just, it drags. Mm-hmm. It drags. You're, just, you're waiting for something. You're waiting for the... The, the bottom hi- to fall out. Yeah, the bottom to fall out, or in this case, the hippo to drop. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, it was a very dull, boring segment until, literally, the action happened. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway. That's, that's, that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, one thing that that chaos does, I th- and I think beautifully, yeah, is it kind of leads you into our next segment, okay, by giving you a contrast, yeah. So the next segment is, of course, Night on Bald Mountain with Ave Maria. Mm-hmm. This section was directed by Wilfred Jackson. Bella Lugosi is Chernabog's animation model. Mm-hmm. Who, and he is, of course, famous for playing Dracula in the old black and white yes. uh, Universal Monster movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night on Bald Mountain is written by uh, Modest Mazorksky, with Ave Maria being by Franz Schubert. Uh, the summary is as follows. At midnight, the devil Chernabog awakes and summons evil spirits and restless souls from their graves to Bald Mountain. The spirits dance and fly through the air until driven back to 
to the sound of an angelus bell as night fades into dawn. A chorus is heard singing Ave Maria as a line of robed monks is depicted walking with lighted mm-hmm. torches through a forest and into the ruins of the cathedral. Yes. This is a very beautiful segment. The cons- the idea of providing this contrast between hell yeah. and not hell, I actually kind of like. And you notice I'm not saying heaven because I don't think this is showing heaven. No. This is showing earth after the devil has been pushed, pushed back away into, by, his mo- into his mountain. By uh, church bells. Yes, by church bells. Uh, when you talk about the musical choices for this, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know why they chose specifically Ave Maria for this. I think uh, any kind of church hymn that had been classically arranged could have mm-hmm. worked for this. I think it, I think the choice of Ave Maria definitely shows the more Catholic roots of right. the people who put this together. Possibly. Because uh, I did find out that Ave Maria, the lyrics, mm-hmm. are actually the Hail Mary uh, thing in the original language. Oh, okay. Which is kind of cool. Okay. Um, and this is the only vocal piece in the in, in all of Fantasia. Okay. Which is interesting. That is true. Uh, I did. I think I forgot to mention. I think you don't. You didn't drop it. So I didn't drop. Oh, I do have it. Uh, Julieta Novis play is the Ave Maria soloist. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah, um, it, the the segment is. I mean, admittedly, the the night on Bald Mountain segment of the of the segment is a very harsh animation style and art style. It the is. way stuff is pulled out, like it's literally just images that kind of are wrapped around stuff, kind of gives you this feeling of it not being right. Yeah, but in a way that works with the film. The segment where you have the fire ladies morphed into the the, the, the animals. Oh, that was it's like, beautiful. Okay, that's very well done. It's yes. very and it's you get this kind of very harsh. The the feeling, the part where his hand, uh, uh, Chernabog's hands are moving. They really do feel like they're giant hands in a way. If that makes sense. Makes Not in the sense. way that it's like a zoomed in hand. But yeah. It's like. Big giant yeah, the, hands. The perspective is the perspective is amazing on that. Huge. It, it's it's a weird. It's weird how it has the feel of it being huge, despite the fact that it's just hands. Yeah. Um. Very well. It's very, very well hands. drawn hands. And that whole segment is I mean, the only problem I have with it is the beginning is the only part of that song I'll ever remember. Okay. Because of how. Big and dark as the rest of Night on Bald Mountain, that song mm-hmm. is almost forgettable for me. So, and then you get to the Ave Maria part, and that is kind of a slow bit, but yet you just came off this almost dark chaos yeah. of Night on Bald Mountain. So, it's a nice, relaxing way to end. Yeah. And as, as Fantasia, and in fact, really, one of my thoughts was I wonder if in one cut of this film, this is where the end credits were. Because you, I can just immensely in my mind see cl- uh, uh, end credits scrolling upward through the slow bit. Yeah. Um, just because of how I'm used to seeing them paced. Uh, the whole thing is interesting. I, it's, I think it's very well done. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it for what it is. Right. What's your like? My like 
would go down to it's the fact that how beautifully this is animated, how they use perspective and how they use the the morphing of uh, characters into mm-hmm. other characters and the you know what have you they create and uh, like it's beautifully made the uh, the the point of where the spirits come from you know the the uh, the spirits come out of the the graves and all that be like they're mm-hmm. transparent um, now I you know I can give you know give them credit where credit is due the fact that you know this was made in the 1940s early 19 in early 1930s um, where or late 1930s the late 1930s 1930 late 1930s the how the be like how the characters are transparent mm-hmm. how be like obviously you really can't animate them so well because it looks like the, the character just kind of just floats along the screen yeah but but yet it works. It works. It works incredibly well. It's and you can tell they're working with a limitation, but they did it in such a way where it's like it doesn't look like that's how it should move. Yeah. But yet it gives you that uneasy feeling you're supposed to be feeling for oh, this. Yeah. What what I what I've always people have always described this segment as literal nightmare fuel. I kind of see some of that. Yeah. So like Turn uh Chernabog? That's Chernabog. Chernabog. Uh, Chernabog is designed. Uh, obviously, he is designed after Bela Lugosi. Well, his his animation is designed after that. Was designed. He yeah, really feels like an old gothic uh, gargoyle. Yeah, he does. And uh, yeah, I just I, I love the I love how that's all animated. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the second part the second part was I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll get to my dislikes in a moment, but mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoy it. I, no wonder this the this this last segment is so memorable. Yes, because it goes from full point you are like rushing headlong into utter darkness, and mm-hmm. then the latter part you're being brought into the light. Yes, bar light, and it's that nice. I'm not gonna say balance because it's not a balance. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's that contrast. It's that contrast of yeah. darkness and light. And, you know, the lightness light prevails mm-hmm. over darkness. And I enjoy that. All right. So. My dislikes. Uh, hard to say there really is much dislike on this. Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, it's done so well that anything I would initially think of as something I didn't like. Yeah. Especially with the Chernabog segment, mm-hmm. the, the Bald Mountain segment. Uh, I almost feel like that's intentional because it's supposed to make you feel off center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess if I have a really the dislike the dislikes I would give actually are in the Ave Maria section. Okay. And that is the monks. Yeah. The monks are very obviously not animated. They mm-hmm. are slowly moved mm-hmm. across, but they are literally one image that is slowly panned mm-hmm. with the rest of, and that entire section is really just camera pan. Yeah, that's all it is. That can be good and done in a good way. And there is a lot of beautiful imagery in that section. And it is trying to give you that calm. You don't want too much in there. And I granted, but after every other piece mm-hmm. in Fantasia to yeah. end on slow camera pans yeah, as the animation style that you are literally dependent on yeah. feels... I'm not going to say lazy because I know what they're doing. Yeah. But it just feels like, couldn't you do something like maybe have maybe 
birds flying through some of this in the background just to give you some visual movement that's still in the motif you're going for. Right. Um, uh, I don't know, just something to break it up other than this slow movement. Yeah. I'm going to fall asleep watching this. Yes. <laughs> Which, admittedly, the end of the night, probably not a bad idea. And it's only for maybe two minutes. It is. Total for that segment. And I like how that's just how Fantasia ends. Yeah. But it's like, couldn't you have at least given me, as the song is ending, a nice little flourish of movement of, like of, like I said, like a dove. Yeah, something. Flying towards... Uh, the, the sun or the moon. Yeah, the morning sky or something like that. Something like that. Just a little bit of imagery. It wouldn't have added much, but it would at least made me feel like peace movement or something. I don't yeah. know. Because that's the thing is, ironically, the quote-unquote uh, life uh, triumphing over darkness, mm-hmm. the light has the least amount of life in it in that's terms true. of animation. And the darkness part is so lively lively that it's like you can't believe how much is actually there yeah it's like i know that's because you're trying to do the contrast of the calm but it's like there's so little life in that section Mm -hmm. it's like this is not how i almost expected this to to finish but it still works i just wanted a little bit of movement agreed more than just a slow panning of these monks slowly working their way across the screen and over the bridge and then the monks disappear because now we're going into this and yeah yeah what's your dislike i think you hit the i think you hit the nail on the head uh i was watching this you know like i i literally lost interest of that lot the uh you have bald mountain scene yeah absolutely incredibly animated mm-hmm. and then you have this scene camera which, movements camera movements that's all you get camera movements and I have nothing against camera movements. no of course not but when you do in a live action scene that sort of like this there's life and no like there's I'm not literally staring at past windows it, what like, it feels like yeah agreed works but it really doesn't, doesn't. no it doesn't i agree be like, I'd be like, this scene, I literally lost it literally because I was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to fix lunch for tomorrow. <laughs> Quite literally. I just, I listened to it while I was, yeah. I was and like, okay, is it over? Is oh, music, I can watch some of that grease. The music, and it does fit, and, and the action, I will say, does fit. I just want to put the icing on. Yes. You just don't get that little bit, that little, little bit better. Agreed. Just to give it some. A, a little bit, a little, a little posh. Bit of, a little bit of life. Yeah. All I'm asking. Yeah. When, when life triumphs over death, I want yeah. to actually be doing something and not just sitting there like a bump on a log. Anyway. Yes. Uh, if I were ranking all the Fantasia segments yeah. from best to worst, yeah. Uh, literally top of the list for me is Sorcerer's Apprentice. Okay. Followed by Night on Bald Mountain. Followed by... Uh, Hours. Get your notes. My notes because I can't remember the names. Dance of the Hours. Followed by Pastoral. Followed by uh, Nutcracker Suite. Mm-hmm. Then Rite of Spring. And at the bottom, I would put Toccata and Fugue in D minor. Okay. How would you rank these? Mine would go, one would be, or my top number one would be uh, 
Pastoral Sympathy. Uh, number two would be The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Three would be Night on Bald Mountain. Number four would be Dance of the Hour. Number three, The Riff of Spring. Six. Six. You, would, you said three. Three was Night on Bald Mountain. Yes, it was. Okay, <laughs> number four. Number four would be Dance of the Hour. Uh-huh. Number five would be The Riff of Spring. Right of Spring. Number six would be Nutcracker Sweet. Mm-hmm. And number seven would be our, what was the first one called again? Toccata and Fugue in D minor. What he said. <laughs> um, just to round this out, I'm going to give this, the, the entire thing, Yeah, I'm giving it an eight. Okay. It's a fun experience. I think everyone should watch it at least once. Yes. Ideally, if you if it's if you're having a hard time getting through Takata, mm-hmm. fast forward through Takata. Yeah. We will understand. Skip. It's it's not that it's bad, it's just it's our least favorite. Yeah. And it's literally abstract art, which is fine in some instances, but I'm yes. not a fan. Yes. Um but it's a it is a good well made presentation. It is uh the shorts are all done very well. Mm-hmm. Uh worst case scenario, I would say find Night on Bald Mountain, find Sorcerer's Apprentice, and find uh, Pastoral Symphony. Those are probably the three best overall. Go and watch those at the very least if you don't want to watch the whole thing. Agreed. Because I don't think you actually need the segments. No, Introductions. I think those actually are a bit of a deterrent. uh, Are a bit of a, uh, not deterrent, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not sure either. It's a bit of... it, it hurts a little bit more than I think was intended. Okay. I'm sure, if you in a, if you go to a or symphony, you have somebody who talks to you about the music before the music is played, give you an introduction to the songs. Mm-hmm. I know that's what that the point of that those segments were. It's just get me to the shorts. Yeah. Those are what I'm here for. I'm not here to see all this other stuff in there. Yeah. But yeah, that's my feelings. Okay. What would you rate the movie? Uh, I'm definitely in the same ballpark as you. I'm definitely number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very entertaining. It's one of those. It's one of those films that definitely it's segmented, so you can literally pick and choose which segments you want to watch. Yes, and uh, you obviously have our opinion. You have our opinion on mm-hmm. what uh, what segments we enjoy the most. Now you may have a different opinion, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. We all have opinions that are. That are good and great. We just have our own opinions. Mm-hmm. That's what we what we choose. So if you have another opinion, uh, put it down. Be like, if you have your own list of what segments you enjoy, put it down in the comments down below, uh, somewhere on social media, where where we can uh, maybe get a conversation started. You never know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, number eight. So, I'd be like eight point So that brings us to the end of this episode, mm-hmm. which means we need to roll for our next movie. And since this was my pick, yes, you are the one who gets to roll. Now, I need to talk about what is on our list at the moment, mm-hmm. since I got it updated to where it works correctly. Yes. Now, uh, sitting at roll number at, at, on spot one, we have Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Number two, I am putting the Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Okay, the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yes, I'm specifically saying that one because there is a Winnie the Pooh that came out right after Tangled. That's right, yeah. So the mini adventures is the one that's actually the three shorts uh, edited into one movie. Oh, okay. And I've never watched it. Oh, okay. 
I'm curious if it's on Disney. It is on Disney Plus. I double checked that. Bam. Okay, easy. And there might be a reasoning for a lot of my Disney picks in the coming. I'm just saying. I may be picking from a smaller pool to make sure we get through some stuff. I gotcha. Sitting at number three, we've got Dragon Ball Z, The Dead Zone. It has been on there for four episodes. So it's got two more before it starts growing. As if Dragon Ball Z is never growing. Yeah. Uh, sitting at number four, we've got Toy Story. At number five, we've got Monsters vs. Aliens. This is its sixth episode mm-hmm. that it has not been rolled. So if it is not rolled tonight, mm-hmm. it will start growing. Okay. And last but not least, at number six, we've got Kubo and the Two Strings. So, Jacob, my friend, roll that dice. And we got Kubo and the Two Strings. Yes. So join us next week for that. So when we play with the strings. Yes. This would be another nice stop motion uh, yeah. one. I've never watched this movie before. I've seen it once in theaters. It's okay. been a while. Okay. It's got Matthew McConaughey in it. Really? All right, all right, all right. All righty. So uh, we'll see you on that one. All right. Thanks, guys. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh, boy. So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page, on Twitter at Jacob B. Heron, on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, and on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, our RSS feed. If we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.